not every single person that comes and starts to train with us trains that hard and makes it. And what is the difference? One is a little bit of a work ethic. One is a fascination with learning. One is a passion about sailing. One is to see how far they can test themselves, whether it's in the gym or on the boat. The people that excel here are every once in a while grumpy. Every single one of us are grumpy, often probably. Uh But we're there and we give our head a shake and we realize how lucky we are for doing what we do. I will say that we have a lot of fun. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. Right off the bat, she's talking about Olympians, America's Cup winners, a CrossFit Games world champion. The places Dawn brought me were elite, because this time I met her just before a fundraiser on Wall Street. And yet she's totally down to earth, scrappy as she puts it. She makes pickles for world-class athletes. She already reduces waste. She tours composting facilities. And this is while she's training world-class athletes as well as being one herself. So here how someone like her, probably busier than you are and responsible for people's hopes and dreams, takes on environmental challenges many people consider distracting. Spoiler alert, she makes it really fun. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here again with Don Riley. Don, how are you doing? I'm good. A little bit busy getting ready for a fundraiser here at Oak Cliff. Yeah, when I saw you last time, it was busy getting ready for... Actually, after we spoke last time, you said, stick around, and I go to a barbecue at Oak Cliff, and suddenly I'm surrounded by... At first, I was going to say Olympic athletes, but it was more than Olympic athletes. Can you remind me who all was there? So there's a bunch of people trying to do the Olympics, quite a few people who had done at least one, if not two or three Olympic campaigns. But then Anna Tunnicliffe, who's also just the side, a CrossFit world champion at age 35. Trevor Bird, who does really well in triathlons. Uh, Just, yeah, high energy people. And then after you (laughs) left, the America's Cup team came in and we did our tryouts for the New York Yacht Club's American Magic team. Oh my, all right. One of my measures for how effective someone is as a leader is how many followers they have and the kind of followers that they have. You have quite a bit of followers. I have 5,000 friends on Facebook. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, these are people... It's one thing to have friends on Facebook. It's another thing to have them at your place. Your place is not like the trivial to get to. It's, so it's, it's, it's kind of centrally located. It's not hard to get to from Manhattan. But <laughs> this is my measure of everything in the world. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I'm curious, why, why are you such a center? Is that easy to answer? Part of it is because there's nothing like this in the world. I was so lucky with the Lawrence family to be able to be hired as a consultant. And as we talked about, invent like my own best job. But what, I, what it is, is the culmination of all the best bits from all over the world in one place. And it is a little bit off the beaten track. I think that's part of the specialness of it. If it was in downtown Manhattan or even in Newport, Rhode Island, it would be yet another thing. 
In Oyster Bay, it is like you've stepped back into the 1950s. Yeah, after I left there, it was like such a nice town. Yeah, yeah. the kids go to the ice cream store. The Carvel is the hopping place in, on a, you know, any summer night. That that's, doesn't happen in many other places in the world. So it's, it's a place where you can come as an elite athlete and you have the tra- physical training, the housing, the access to the water, the debriefs, and the, the energy and the other athletes that you can learn off of and, and you know, bounce ideas off of. And then just as a person that's sailing there, you're in this little special bubble. It's called Oyster Bay, New York. Do the people in Oyster Bay, New York know what's going on at Oak Cliff? The people in Oyster Bay do know, but they don't know, if that makes any sense. You guys aren't like, hey, look at us. It's actually, you could you could walk past it and not, not notice it, or you could look in and be like, wow, something's going on here. I'm working on trying to get enough funding to paint the building, because uh-huh. we are definitely scrappy and blue collar and not, uh, while we have elite athletes, there's nothing super shiny or artificial about us at all. Um, but yeah, we are kind of a hidden gem. And a lot of people in Oyster Bay know about us now, but they don't understand, I don't think, the impact. As a matter of fact, there was a story that about women in sailing that I was uh, talked about in the Washington Post. It was an AP Wire story, and they called it Oak, Oak New York. because <laughs> And most people in sailing think that it's Oak Cliff is the town, but we're the center in Oyster Bay. And it didn't have to work out, the friendliness and the camaraderie, because I was a bit intimidated. So I, I, otherwise, I would have talked to more people, but I felt like uh, everyone could talk to everyone. There were there were uh, old salts and there were young. I mean, some of the people you pointed out were, they looked like in their teens, maybe 20s. Yeah. Yep, yep. No, we have 15 and above. And in our Eggcorn program, residential, uh, and it's uh, two weeks, two to four weeks long, we have 15 and above, and that is the program that we most often have 15-year-olds and 60-year-olds, people at both ends of their working life. And it is so amazing to see the connection and the equality with the interaction because they're all trying to do the same thing, which is sailing. And I'm also thinking, you know, someone could put it together. You say there's nothing like it. Well, that doesn't mean that someone could have envisioned it. So there must have been some vision that you had. I guess they came. To, someone came to you and said, the United States is missing something. You got it. You know how to do it. No, no. They came to me and said, we have some boats and we want to do something in Oyster Bay. That, that those were the parameters. So the whole thing about bringing sailing back at the top level to, to America, that, that was you? Yeah. And you're like, all right, you got a couple boats. Good. This, uh, that's all I need for my dream. Well, it's, it's a little bit more than that because everybody wants America to be best if you're American. You want your sport to be the best in the world if you're an American sailor, but how do you do it? And that's where I was lucky to have the time to put together a plan, you know, about a year of a consulting project, and then the financial backing and the, you know, support of the Lawrence family for the first year or so. They're still very supportive, but we've been able to build something that is publicly supported by the people that come there. You know, it, I think I mentioned before, it's like the YMCA where Everybody pays something, but you pay what you can afford to pay. The most important thing is the mission. Well, and then watching you at work, I feel like at times you're a four-star general, and at times you're a private, because you're, and, and everything in between. So the first time we met, it's funny, you said, if it was in the middle of Manhattan, we actually, the first time we met was in the middle of Manhattan with the New York sure. Yacht Club, which is like a, that's certainly a place to remember. <laughs> Very different place. There's no boats there. I mean, it's all the little, little boats. 
And now we're at NASDAQ down in lower Manhattan. So you're working a lot of different parts of the world. And within your community, you, you, it seemed like you know every sailor personally. And at the same time, you know the long-term vision. And you made the salad. And you made pickles. <laughs> and you knew that when, and when you said, would you like a sandwich? You pointed out to me, there's wrapping around it that's plastic. And you might not want to, you might want to avoid that. And I was like, most people don't have that sensitivity or awareness. Well, it's a little bit because every time I wrap the sandwich, I feel bad. Ah, so we connected on that, something about me you connected with, and, and that's what, yeah. okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. Let's transition into what you're, the challenge, because you're going to avoid, figure out how to make these sandwiches without stuff, without right. plastic. So I did uh, look into, I know for sure that wax paper wouldn't work unless I had masking tape. So environmentally, maybe that's okay, but that's a really longer time. And also the sandwiches I make are stuffed full of stuff. So you need something to hold it together. That's why the saran wrap works better. I assumed aluminum foil would be better. I researched it. And unless you can convince people to carefully bring it home and you wash it and reuse it four or five times, that's not better. It's actually worse. So then you and I both collectively found the same thing, the beeswax um, paper, uh, which is a cloth that's covered in beeswax. And I went and tried it last weekend and it worked. All right. And so now I've ordered, it's like $189 worth of it. And that hope that we'll reuse it. It's financially not going to work out. I did check the cost of saran wrap and estimated how many inches I use per season, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. But you know, what's really cool. I had it sitting on my desk Five of my people came up and said, oh, that stuff's great. Oh, wow. They already knew about it yeah. because they use it. it. You know, a friend of mine told me about it because she was getting, she was going to make it herself. And apparently it's not so hard to make. I haven't done it, but apparently you can make it yourself. That's maybe the next step. So when people get the sandwiches now, they have to save it, right? They have to save it and they bring it back. And this is the part that's going to be a challenge because I'm doing it this weekend for 30 sandwiches a day mm-hmm. is I need to wash it and dry it and keep it sanitary and, of course, deal with food allergies. So I'm not quite sure. I might even, now that I'm talking out loud, I might even keep some for gluten-free, some for peanuts, peanuts, that Mm -hmm. type of thing. And I'm reading off of you, or you just described the what of it. What about the the feeling of it? Was it, I'm, I'm reading, hey, this is kind of fun, or how would you describe I'll let you know how fun it is when I'm sitting there at night washing <laughs> beeswax. 30 beeswax pieces of, of cloth. But yeah, no, you know, another thing, though, that's not quite so exciting is I was very proud of the fact that we've been using compostable plates and forks and cups since I got there. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is crap. We are absolutely not going to be wasting. And then I found out through research that you need an industrial composting. Oh, yeah, those, those plates and, were, yeah. And the closest one is in Brooklyn at the facility that I mentioned I'd been at, but I don't have any way of getting getting it to that. So then the next step, the Uber next step is we have the plates, we have the silverware, is to look at possibly getting some kind of an industrial dishwasher, but I just don't know where I'm going to put it physically. 
Yeah, I'm just thinking all those people working for it. I feel like there's some sort of you saw the karate kid. There's some sort of wax on, wax off. You can teach the the kids. No, no, like, no. <laughs> Trust me, they do enough of that on okay. the boats. Everybody at Oak Cliff works their butts off. I mean, in the summer, we work from well, they work out at sunrise. We work from nine to nine most days. Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday for sure. Ten to nine Tuesdays and nine to five-ish on Friday and Sunday with Mondays off. There's okay, now, zero extra manpower. Now I have to pause talking about the, the environmental thing to ask about motivating people to get to reach their limits. Because I'm thinking about with the environment, motivating people to like walk instead of taking a taxi is sometimes like they get mad or they can't handle it. But you're getting people to work nine to nine. And is it, I mean, partly they're coming to you because they think I got a chance at gold. Partly they're coming to you I mean, there might be, must be some selection effect, but that doesn't mean you're going to get them to, to reach Right, not, not every single person that comes and starts to train with us trains that hard and makes it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is the difference? One is a little bit of a work ethic. One is a fascination with learning. Uh, one is a passion about sailing. One is to see how far they can test themselves, whether it's in the gym or on the boat. So the people that excel here are, yeah, Every once in a while, grumpy. Every single one of us are grumpy, often probably. Uh-huh. But we're there, and we give our head a shake, and we realize how lucky we are for doing what we do. And is there something that you do to bring out more than they would get out on their own? Are you on a personal level, or are you through your team? I don't think so, and I don't ever slow down that much to reflect on myself. But I will say that we have a lot of fun. I mean, there, there is, like you said, general and private there's yes there's a small hierarchy when stuff has to get done stuff has to get done and i can get angry and everybody can get angry but we shake it off and we laugh about it very shortly after all right so now i had to ask about that because people getting the limit people reaching their full potential is really it shouldn't be so much of a challenge but it is a challenge and people are constantly saying to me like oh i can't believe you do all these things people say to me often like i'm taking a train to la and they're like oh that's so good i'm like People say you have your value. You have such great values. I'm like, but I don't. Th- I don't think anybody wants dirty air, or dirty water. Everyone wants. It's the, we have the same values. It's yes. the behavior mm-hmm. that's different. Everybody wants to win. I mean, competitors generally want to win a competition. That's why they go into it. But not everyone wants to put everything in to get that. And I think a great coach, a great leader, brings those things out. And that's what I was only there for a few hours, but that's what it looked like I saw. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I imagine is there. And I imagine some of it is setting it up, just the context and bring them all together. But I have a feeling, I mean, there's also, I've read all these things that we haven't talked about yet, but that you, you've taken teams that were not performing well and gotten them to peak levels. Didn't you get brought into there was some boat that yeah, was like... Yeah, Heineken. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of dramatic. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Raced around the world. Um, yes. And it's hard to learn... I, I mean, I went to school for advertising and, and journalism, and I, of course, still make mistakes. I think the, the difference is, one, trying things out, always leading by example, and always questioning yourself a little bit. So there's a big element of personal lead. What I heard was like you lead yourself first, and then that shines or comes out. In yeah, you. yeah. Sometimes I have to tell myself to stop worrying about it. It's done. It's good. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You remember something more than they do. 
um, because in your mind you were really upset, but they don't know that. And it's okay. You know, that's at three in the morning. Uh, <laughs> it reminds me of a big lesson I learned of, uh, if you're playing piano in Carnegie Hall, I've not done this. Uh, but if you make, if you hit a wrong note, the best thing you can do is just keep just playing. Keep going. Yeah. Yep. Isn't that impossible to do though? I mean, it's hard. Nope. You got to learn. You just got to keep going. Yeah. It's in the past. It can't be changed. It's well, live television. I did, uh, I've worked for ESPN a little bit and outdoor life network a lot. And we did the America's cup live and I had never done that before. Huh. And one time I messed up and the producer is in my ear screaming at me, which of course I froze and then I kept going. And then after it was all over, I felt like horrible. Uh-huh. He goes, well, that's the beauty of live television. It's done. We'll edit it out in the reruns. <laughs> I was like, why didn't you tell me that before? But that's it. Just keep going. Is, is that a hard lesson to learn? or is that? Is it it was very dramatic and it was done. It was learned in like the 15 seconds of dead air. <laughs> I have this, another phrase of mine is, is uh, people who suck at things tell you how great they are. People who are amazing at things tell you the disasters they went through on the way to get there. And they're much better stories. I can totally understand that. Thing. Got a few of those? <laughs> yeah, no, I just, yep. Don't tell me how good you are. Just do it. <laughs> well, there's an event you have to get back to. Yep. Uh, were there any big hurdles with the, the beeswax, the bees wrap? Just like I said, we'll, I'll let you know if there's any washing hurdles. For an individual, no. For a commercial, which is a kind of what I'm doing, you know, commercial uh, application is probably a little bit harder. But remember, this is they're having to take the sandwich from me in the morning, put it in their duffel bag, take it out on the water, hopefully not step on it in an umpire boat, and then eat it, and then bring me back the pa- the you know the beeswax paper. So it'll be good. But no, I hope it works. I look forward yeah. to hearing. And uh, yeah, a lot of people listening to this. There's a lot of people out there who don't even who don't start. There's also a lot of people who have started and they, they've done a little thing and they think, okay, down, now I'm done with, ah, good, environment checked. And I'm glad to hear someone who's like, you've done this, you've done more, and you've done more. And then you, a new thing, you're just like, yeah, let's do another thing. Yeah, but I think it's also a little bit, the more you know, the more you're like, oh my God, there's so much more to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No one's seen the pictures that you've shown me of getting of you getting the trash and plastic out of the water. And every sale I talk to talks about how they're in the middle of you know, no land in sight and there's just... Coke bottles and beer bottles and Starbucks and yeah. Anything, just to close, uh, I usually close with two questions. Is there anything I didn't think to ask worth saying and anything to say directly to the listeners? No, I think we talked about last time how sailing, you know, I'm an advocate for sailing and for people finding their passion. uh, But I'm biased. Sailing should be your passion (laughs) for everybody. It's not that hard. Come on down to Oak Cliff. We're there. And uh, yeah. It's not that hard, people. Are there Get video- with it. I see everyone should watch videos. I'll, I'll put links on for videos of Oak Cliff in action because mm-hmm. they're online. Yep. Are there videos of you in action? I'm in a lot of the videos. Yeah. I have On my website, there might be some. I don't know. I hope there are. I have to say, because I've seen you in action just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the words oh. force of nature come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else has said that before. <laughs> they also call me Mother Nature because I usually, no, that's not true. It's become a bit of a thing where they think I am better at weather forecasting than anybody else there. So they call me Mother Nature. But there was an interview for the Mystic Seaport, the award. That one's probably the biggest one. And that's on, on YouTube. Okay, I'll find that or ask you for the link and put that up for people to find. Yep. Don Riley, thank you very much. Thank you. You didn't ask for it, but I'm going to give you some advice. 
Learn to sail. Humans have been doing it for 7,000 years all over the world. In fact, it's a lot of how we got all over the world. In my case, it's brought everything that flying did. In my case, you might know that I haven't flown for almost three years of exploring the world, cultures, people, and so on. And you meet people like Don. If you're too busy to act on your environmental values, how many America's Cups have you won or helped others win? How many Olympians follow you? Because Dawn's got plenty and she doesn't hesitate to act on her environmental values. Maybe it will help you create in your life what Dawn created in hers. Not a distraction, but an augmentation. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and Living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.